at the end of service, uh, we'll be having a moment of prayer, but I want to remind you to be praying for the Lonus family. Um, Marvin's uncle passed away yesterday, and remember them uh, in, in this time. God is gracious. And um, had a few calls this morning. Uh, there's different um, viruses going around, and some was like, Pastor, we're don't, we don't feel good, and we don't want to share it. I'm said, thank you. <laughs> they can uh, keep that at home. And, and they called on the elders of the church to pray. We'll lay hands on them from a distance. <laughs> but um, remember those who are sick. And, um, man, God is so good. I just, I don't know, man. I have just, and I know this probably sounds funny, but just marinated in God's word and just really have been stirred by him and as you know we're going through the book of Ephesians and we are going to continue in that line and I declared that I was going to start with chapter 3 verse 10 but I can't I have to keep I have to go back I have to finish chapter 2 um, because I, I believe that we are often look at the individual blessings that we have from the Lord, but we forget that there's a, there's a corporate blessing. There's a corporate unity. God's called us to move from individuality to corporate. And I think Ephesians chapter 2, the last part of that, begins to help us to see uh, some of those elements. And, and, and we live in a world where the enemy wants to isolate wants to get you alone, wants to make you think that you don't need the body of Christ. And, and, and I believe that the word is very clear. If you look at the end of chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and following, we see that even the giftedness that God has given us was for the purpose of the unification of the body of Christ. And there's a, a necessity that we need each other. I need you. I need you. We need each other. I mean, how many's ever been stuck at home, sick and alone, and you've been out for or been away from the church for a season, and, and how that feels? It, it, it can become depressing. It, it can become isolating and feel like, you know, nobody loves me, nobody cares. I'll just go eat worms, you know. <laughs> and we get into this, this mode uh, and, 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 and find ourselves isolated. And that's not what God wants for us. God wants something deeper. Linda, it's so good to, to see you. I know that you were one of those who just struggled with health. And, and so over the last three weeks, being able to see your smiling face. And then last night, the powerful prayer that you prayed over the senior adults. And, 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 and just knowing that there's a, a prayer warrior. And so thankful that God has allowed you to be back and be a part. And I know that, I know that you're excited as well. God is so faithful to us. I'm going to start with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, and, and really build from there. And sometimes, guys, you know, th those, you know, you know, you know me, you know me. Sometimes I might jump off this place and run, and sometimes, you know, I might get excited, and sometimes I might be in a little more teaching mode. I don't know what today looks like. I just know that I want God to bring revelation through his word 
to us. I just want to truly be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we as Pentecostals get into the mindset that 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 looks like when we surrender, it looks like the shouting, the dancing, the the hair, the hair poppy pins flying and all that stuff. But sometimes that could be just the deep meditation of stirring in his presence to just allow him to just touch us deeply. Amen? Amen. I'm reading from the New King James this morning, 2.19. It says, Now, therefore... You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. (laughs) Well, there's so much right there. You know what? When you look at this scripture, it says, now, therefore. Well, we all know that when we see the word therefore, it means that what is it there for? So that, we, that means we got to go back a little bit to, to really see what has brought us to this place. What, is it, what has brought us to the place that we are no longer strangers and foreigners? What has brought us to the place that we're now fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God? Well, I think we have to go back to verse 11 and 12. And, and when we get to verse 11 and 12, it says, Therefore, remember. Now, we all, we, we spent three or four weeks on chapter 2, the first part. We know that for by grace, in verse 8, for by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. We saw that we were the workmanship of his hands, right? We were crafted. We are the canvas that God has painted on. We are the workmanship of his hands, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared even in advance, even before we were ever able to fulfill them, even before we were ever a twinkling in, the, in our mother's eyes, God had a plan laid out for us. So when the world says that, that it's, not, it's not functioning, it's not viable, God says it's a seed of my seed, it's a plant that I have planted, it is my flesh and bones that I have created before the world ever began. I knew them in their mother's womb. They're the tapestry that I've been working on, and I've got a plan. I've got something in store for them, something good, something to prosper them, something to bless them, that they will also be a blessing. We see all of that being formed before us in Ephesians chapter 2 because of the blessings, all the great blessings and gifts that God gives us in Ephesians chapter 1. And it brings us to this place that, that, that we see here in verse 11, it says, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by what was called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. Listen to verse 12. That at the time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Well, to me, this verse is the WW. Dot, <laughs> y'all ready for this? The www.lostatgentiles.com, right? And, and, and www is not the World Wide Web in this format. It is where we were. We were lost at <laughs> Gentiles. We were lost. 
before Christ Jesus, before his love, says in verse 12, at that time you were without Christ. Let me, let me tell you something. Without Christ, without Jesus, without the Messiah, the word Christ being a transliteration of the anointed one, the Messiah, without the Messiah, we have no hope. Without the Messiah, we are just trudging this world, just going through this world, through the motions, and, and there's no hope of anything eternal. There's nothing left but just living this life as it is with nothing else in store. There's no eternal life. There's no hope of heaven. There's no hope of, of love. There's no hope of the grace of God. There's no mercy of God. All of that is lost without Christ Jesus. How many people in the world are walking through life without that hope? No wonder, no wonder we are the most depressed country in the world. No wonder we're the, a, a country that's in despair. No wonder we're a country that's literally lost its way because we have lost our identity in Christ Jesus because the church has not stood in the gap in a world that needs Jesus Christ. We have, we have bowed down. We have a cowardice walked in this world hiding the gifts of God, and yet we are called by God to stand in the gap. Come on, that's all right. Give God praise. Lord, help us. <laughs> and so we see where we were. We were strangers from the covenant promises. But I love this verse, thing, verse 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus. Ooh, that's a lot to say right there. <laughs> it's kind of like going back to verse 4 when it says, but God, rich in mercy. Come on. Look, we were lost, but God. We were lost corporately as a body, but Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, we have a hope. We have something greater. We have something more significant. Wow. I remember the statement of the blind man when he was healed. and uh, he, was, he told the Pharisees, he said, uh, they, the Pharisees told him, you give, you give praise to God. We, we know that this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus. And this is what the blind man said. He says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't have any idea. But all I know is, is I was blind, and now I see. Come on, somebody. Hey, listen. I don't know what they say about him, but all I know is this, that, hey, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was an addict. I once was lost in sin, but now I'm no longer bound by yesterday's sin. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am a part of his kingdom. He might be called a sinner in your book, but he's, a, he's the king of glory in my book. I know who he is, and I'm a part of that kingdom. Come on, somebody. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We went through what it means to be in Christ Jesus a whole lot. We've seen the blessings of what it means to be in Christ Jesus and all that God has done for us and has done through Christ Jesus and all that he's given us that has come through Christ Jesus. That's amazing. We can look at even verse 13. It says, you who were once far off have been brought near. Thank God you've been brought near. If you feel Far off now, it is not because of Christ Jesus. 
It's not because he's holding you at a distance. He has made a way where there was no way. He's made a way for you to draw near. He has torn the, 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 the yep, <laughs> veil. Thank you. I started to get hungry and thinking about some veal. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> he's torn the veil. He's made access into the Holy of Holies. He's done that for you. So the only, if you feel far off or if you feel away from him, it is nobody's fault but yourself because he has given you access into the Holy of Holies. He's given you access into his presence. He tells you, come boldly before the throne of God. Come with confidence before me. That's what Jesus has offered us. Amen. In Romans chapter 3, 24 and 25, it says, and, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over our former sins. Aren't you glad he's passed over your sins? I hope nobody's keeping a record of my past. Amen? <laughs> yes. We can go on through a lot of scriptures like Romans chapter 5 and 8 and how while we were still in sin, Christ died for us. We can, we can look at 1 Peter uh, 1 and 18 and 19 and talk about how we've been redeemed not with corruptible things like silver and gold. We can talk about all of that. But you were once far off, but God has brought you near through Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Lord, right? Paul was called by God to go to the Gentiles to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan and this, uh, unto God. And we see, we'll see a lot more of that in chapter 3 where he was literally imprisoned because of the call that he, that he had to go to the Gentiles. But he said in Colossians chapter 1 and 13, he says, Who hath delivered us from the, prison, from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom he, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Paul filling, his, Paul filling his calling, his commission. Verse 14 tells us, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. We have peace in Jesus Christ. Come on. He is our peace. Luke chapter uh, 2, 14 says, Glory to God in the highest, and, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. You know, too many times we, uh, we think of this, this wall of separation between uh, Israel or the Jerusalem and those of of, of Abraham and then those of the Gentiles, but Jesus Christ has put both together in one. There's no longer a race, so to speak. We are the children of God, and we have peace in God. Come on, somebody. So that when he said, when he said in Luke chapter 2, 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, it wasn't just a group of people. It was every single one of us, every one of you, every one of your family members, has this same kind of availability to the peace of God because he's brought them near. When the gospel was first taken to the Gentiles, Peter, Peter said this in the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, 34 through 36. He said, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, come on, say that with me, every nation, 
every nation. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that is, he sent to Israel preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Hallelujah. Over and over again, we see Paul writing about the peace that we find in God through Christ Jesus. Jesus broke down the wall that once separated us. How many of you felt separated at times? Felt like there's just a, a barrier between us. But Colossians chapter 3 and 11 says, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or scuthes. You know, I actually looked up and I said, what in the world is that supposed to mean? And the word literally means wildest or savage. And, and the, the people were from the area of what is now called Russia. That makes sense, right? So, so he's, there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor, nor uncircumcision, barbarian or, or savage, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. So no matter how you used to be, no matter what you have been defined as, and no matter what background you have in Christ Jesus, you are made one in him. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Jesus abolished, according to this verse 15, Jesus abolished the enmity that was once separated the Jew and the Gentiles. Look, if there's still enmity, if there's still strife, then it is not because of Christ Jesus. It is because of our own flesh, right? It, it, it's appalling to think of racism within the body of Christ. It's appalling to think of, of those differences because in Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're African, it doesn't matter if you're European, it doesn't matter if you're Russian, it doesn't matter if you're Asian, if you're white, black, yellow, green, Latino, whatever that means, it doesn't matter because he broke down the walls. We are in Christ Jesus. We are a part of his kingdom plan. We are one body. When we get around the throne of God, he's not going to separate and say, you're of that nation or you're of that nation, but every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the king of glory. Come on, somebody. Amen. Re reality is, is that even in the Corinthian church, we saw these people trying to stir up division. They said, well, we are of, we're of Apollos, or we're of, uh, of Cephas, and, or we're of Paul. And the apostle Paul rebuked them and said, look, wait a minute, that's not who we are. We're not breaking up in divisions. And sometimes we find ourselves doing that as the body of Christ today. Well, I'm, I'm Baptist, or I'm Church of God, or I'm Methodist. Or I'm... Look, first and foremost, we are blood-bought children of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We're the body of Christ. We embrace our brothers and sisters. We recognize that we all have a part in the kingdom plan. And if we really want to see the unity of the body, we will become together and work together in the kingdom plan because when we work together, it shows the world that we are truly the children of God. Amen. He abolished. Verse 15 he abolished the law of commandments that were contained in the ordinances. He abolished them by, by fulfilling their, their righteous requirements. Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. Look, 
The law was meant to show us our sin. The law was meant to show us our incapabilities in, our, in ourselves to be able to meet that requirement. But in Christ Jesus, Jesus met those requirements. And in so doing, we find faith in Christ Jesus. We find hope in Christ Jesus when we recognize that, Lord, we are surrendered to you, O Lord. It is you who brings salvation to us. Right? Now, what, what, wait, wait a minute, Pastor Paul. We do not for the sake of the law. We do for the sake of the love of Jesus Christ. We do now because we have been brought into the body of Christ. We've been brought into the family of God. We do now because we know that he has first done for us. Yes and amen. <laughs> we understand that the law says that the soul that sins will surely die. Thus the law of the commandments had condemned all of us to death. Every single one of us. We're condemned to die because of our sin. Well, he did. He was worse. It doesn't matter who's worse, who's best, better, or best, or worse, worse, and worse. <laughs> Don't, y'all grammar people, just leave me alone. But Jesus Christ took our place on the cross of Calvary that we could have life eternal in him and through him. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Colossians chapter 2 and 14 says this, By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this, is, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, the principalities and powers, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That's what Jesus did for us. Verse 15 goes on and says, and he made, he has made from the two one man, so making peace. The Gentiles and the Jews are now put together. We're one. It's no longer, I'm a Jew or I'm a Gentile. No, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a saint of God. I'm a child of the king. Amen. Thank the Lord. My, the former divisions are gone. I, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And, and now, therefore, in verse 19, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we see that he has brought us near to God. He has become our peace. He has broken down the wall that kept us from becoming the people of God. He, ab he has abolished the enmity that once existed. He has reconciled us to God, and he has given us access to the Father. That's what he has done for us. And now we're no longer strangers to his plan. Through Jesus, we are now heirs of the promise of God. Somebody say, we're heirs of the promise. Woo, I don't know about you, but that's exciting. I've got a mansion just over the hillside. Come on. In that fair land where we'll never grow old. Wonder streets are pure as gold. I love it, dude. We should form a choir. <laughs> I mean, to realize that we're no longer strangers. There was a, a song that we sung in children's church years ago. It says, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Some of y'all remember that. 
these little 30-year-olds up here are like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 4, says, By this, which he has granted to us, this precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. We now, come on, have access to the promises of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God made uh, so many wonderful promises to Abraham. This morning in, in our connection class, um, Beverly talked about picking up a, a handful of sand and, and, and thinking of how can I count all these sand grains. And the promise of God to, to the people of God that your descendants, think about this, the descendants of the kingdom of God are more than we could ever even imagine or think about. He has established, he made his promise to Abraham when he established the covenant with him. And that covenant, we walk in covenant with God today. Amen. There are those who would say that these promises, they don't apply to us. But that flies in the face of what Paul is talking about right here. He's saying that this, we are now covenant brothers. We are now a part of the covenant of God. You were once foreigners, walled off from Israel. You were once a stranger to the covenant promises, but you are now no longer a stranger. You are now no longer a foreigner, but you are fellow citizens in the kingdom of God. Amen? That, that, that makes you excited. That, that Look, our citizenship is not of this world. But now we have a citizenship in heaven. We are citizens of God's kingdom. And let me tell you something. God's kingdom citizens have rights and authority. Now look, you, you, you got to realize that the kingdom of God is not a democracy. We didn't vote Christ in. He's the king already, right? And in reality, there's no more glory that he can attain, but he now wants to share his glory with those of us who are part of his kingdom. So we have rights and authority in the kingdom of God. But let me tell you something. You can't be in authority unless you're under authority. Right? You, you can't expect to walk in the authority of God unless you're willing to come under the authority of God. And so therefore, we are in his kingdom citizens and have rights and authority in him and through him. But not only that, the, as kingdom citizens, we have responsibilities. That's that big ugly word. Responsibility. In, in, in our earthly world, there's a whole lot of people who don't want to take responsibility any longer. They don't want to take responsibility for their actions. They don't want to take responsibility for their sins. They want, to, they want a $20 wage and give a $3 work ethic. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they don't want to live up to responsibility any longer. They want to have sin but not have the consequences. They want to have sex but not have the consequences. They want all these things but not the consequences. But let me tell you something. If you're a part of the kingdom of God, not only do you have authority but you have responsibility as a part of the kingdom of God. We're citizens of the kingdom. But also we have authority. We have responsibility. But we have relationship. Oh, that's good stuff right there. As a part of the citizenry of the kingdom of God, we have relationship with the king. Now, look, 
it's impossible for us to have a relationship with whoever president is in the White House. There's very few, no matter who has been there, there's very few that we have been able to have a personal relationship with. Of course, we see all their junk plastered on every news station, right? Good, bad, and ugly. But we have the privilege of having a relationship with the king of this kingdom. Personal. Isn't that amazing? We have a personal relationship with the king of glory, with the Messiah, the king of kings. And, and, and the Bible tells us that he stands at our door and he knocks, waiting to come in, waiting to, to be able to enter in and commune with us. What a relationship. But not only do we have a relationship with the king, but then he wants us to have a relationship with the body of Christ. He declares that we are one body. One body. And as one body, we have multiple gifts, we have multiple talents, but we are still one body, and we are to have relationship with one another. That's good preaching right there, Pastor. Keep on. You are not only, according to this scripture in verse 19, you are not only citizens, fellow citizens with the saints, but now you are part of the family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood, joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this side. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. We're not by ourselves. You're not by yourself. If you're by yourself, it is because you have chosen to be by yourself. If you have got yourself into a rut and you've gotten lonely and you have, you have put yourself in a place, it's because you have allowed the enemy to think, to tell you that you're not worthy, to tell you that you're not light, to tell you that you're not a part. But let me tell you something. That lie is a lie. And the only power that lie has is what you believe of it. You need to cast down the lie and you need to say, I'm a part of the body of Christ. You can tell me all you want to what I am, but I know whose I am. And I am the, I'm a part of the King of King and Lord of Lords family and he has given me access to the body of Christ and I'm going to draw near not only to you but to all those around me. Come on. That's what it is. You belong to the household of God, according to that verse 19. The household of God was built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now, now don't be confused here because we understand that there is only one, but one foundation, right? And his name is Jesus. Jesus is the foundation, right? But he's also the cornerstone. But, but here it says that you, in verse 20... It says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Well, what is it meant by being foundation of the apostles and prophets? It is on the message that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. On the words that they have given us, we've been building on that foundation that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And he is the one that we are being built on. Come on, right? Amen. 
John tells us that the wall of the city of heaven has 12 foundations on which are written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb of God, right? The words of the prophets and apostles' doctrine contain the foundation for our understanding of God and, and therefore our faith. John, oh, y'all love the Lord, don't you? I mean, I, 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 got, I got to move on. I'm, I'll be here all day. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. When, when Peter was asked the question, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on. Peter finally got something right. He's made plenty of mistakes, but on this moment, because really if you look just on down, he's already made another mistake. But on this word, this is truth. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. You're the living, breathing Messiah that we, that we can serve, that we can trust, that we can lean on, that we can build upon, right? And he said, you are Peter. And if you, if you study that out, it, it literally says you are a piece of rock. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You're a piece of the rock. And on this rock... The truth, what you're saying, I will build my church. Look, guys, we're being built together, right? We're being built together as a, as a, as a holy temple for God. And as a holy temple for God, being built together, we will enjoy the presence of God because he inhabits the temple. He inhabits the praises of his people. Amen? Paul writes this to the Corinthians. says, you are God's building and 1 Corinthians 3 and 9 and verse 10 goes on and says, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on that. But let every man take heed on how he builds. For, for other foundation can no one lay than this, that, that, which is Jesus Christ. We're just building on Jesus. We can go on and look at multiple scriptures out of Psalms 118 that the stone that the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And we can see multiple scriptures of Jesus being the chief cornerstone of our life. We're building around and building upon him. Verse 21 of the scripture that we are in says, In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. We are so many different people in this room. There's so many different ways that we operate, so many different opinions. Somebody says, everyone has an opinion, right? 
Opinion are like noses, everybody's got one. I think they're like toes and everybody's got ten. We're all different. We're all unique. It's kind of like a unique elephant. How you, how you sneak up on a unique elephant? How you sneak up on a pink elephant? You unique up on it. <laughs> Dad joke, sorry. The church... This is what I need us to grasp. The church has become the holy temple of God. We, we like to focus on the individuality of the church. We like to focus on the individuality of our relationship with God. You know, I, I am a, a temple of God, been bought with a price, but, but what he's telling us here is that we are all being fitted together. We're all, we're all different we all have different gifts, and, and guess what? I don't know about you, but there's some times that people might rub me the wrong way. Nutty, y'all. I'm just talking about other people. There's times we get rubbed the wrong way. And that's why the Word of God says, like iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I was visiting Monty and Lori the other day with Tony and he was there's a puzzle downstairs that it's the last puzzle that Lori put together or was putting together before she lost her memory she she has Alzheimer's and he was saying that when it got towards the end of putting the puzzle together and it got to where she just couldn't get it she would find a piece that looked right and she would just force it in there and she would force those pieces together. And sometimes I think that we try to force pieces together. But when we understand that we're the body of Christ, every one of us has different unique talents and gifts. And that when we begin to value and appreciate others, we begin to desire to work together. We don't compromise the Word of God. We don't compromise Scripture. Don't get me wrong. But we learn to recognize that every person that God created has value. And sometimes their view might not line up with what we're thinking of how, how it should be, but that doesn't mean they're wrong. It doesn't mean that they're, they're off base. Even the disciples said, Lord, they're going out and doing this. He says, look, if they're not against us, they're for us. And when we have that view of each other in the body of Christ, then we recognize that we're, we're being brought from individualism to corporate, corporate body of Christ. And then we recognize that, you know what? We are, all, we are all one in the body of Christ. There's only but one Lord, right? One baptism, one Father of them all. And, and we need to work together as a part of the body of Christ. We need to grow together. We need to recognize that I mean, even the woman that, that Jesus saw at the well, she came and, 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 of course, there's a whole lot of story. Maybe I'll preach that message one day. But here's a woman who was lost, who was literally in sin. She's, she's, she's coming to the well by herself, which is dangerous. She's coming at the middle of the day because she don't want anybody to see her. And she comes to the well, and here's Jesus sitting at the well. And he offers her living water. And she goes, well, listen, what are you doing talking to me? 
She says, you, your people says you should worship over there, and we, we worship over here. And too many times we have that mentality as the church. We're broken. And we're thinking, you should do it over there because you're that. And you should do this over there because you're, you're that group of people. But look, Jesus said, look, you'll neither worship here or there because those who worship me, right? Those who worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. What was he saying to that lady? Look, he was telling her that, look, there are those, the Israelites at that time, that worshiped God in the legal manner correctly. They followed the law. They were doing it in truth. This is how you worship God. But they wasn't doing it in spirit because they didn't have a heart for God. But then here's this lady who can't get it right. I mean, she's, she's literally telling you know, Jesus said, look, go get your husband and come back here and we'll talk about this. And she said, wait a minute. I don't have a husband. She said, you are, you are right about that woman. You've had five and the one you're with right now isn't your husband. In other words, what's he saying? Six is the word of number of imperfection, right? You are not perfect. He said, look, you've got a heart for me. You've got the spirit you want this. You talking about you want to worship. You're here right now because you're saying, I want to worship. You're talking about it. You have a heart for it. But you don't know how to do it right. Because you don't know the truth. You're broken. You're imperfect. You're searching in all the wrong wells. And Jesus said, this is crazy. Here's this woman was recognizing that she's lost, recognizing that she has searched because every man has told her, I'll give you something that'll satisfy you. So when she left that place, listen what she did. She left her jar for water there. She left the thing that she came to do there, and she went back. She didn't go and tell everybody, man, I met a guy that's going to give me living water because you know what? Every guy she's ever met has said, I'll give you what you want. I'll give you what you think you need. No, she went back and said, I've met a man that has told me everything about myself. And here's the good part. He knows everything about me, and he still wants me. <laughs> Could this be the Messiah? Look, we as the body of Christ have to recognize it's not here or there. We need to get on, we need to get on board with the kingdom of God and recognize that we're all on the same team. We need to quit worrying about Look, if, if there is something unbiblical, you better believe, you better call it out. But if it's a matter of semantics, if it's a matter of uh, method, like the Methodist methods, then look, we're not about calling out different styles because look, worship is not a, a style of music. Worship is a position of the heart, right? It's not about 
what the color of the carpet is or the color of the pews or any of that. It's about what is your relationship with the Father. And when we get in the mindset that, look, we all have different methods. And as, as joining the same team, being a part of the corporate body, because we are all different in our method, we're going to reach more people. If everybody did it the way I do it, we would only reach people that I have connection with, the people of my sphere of influence. But you have a different sphere of influence. You have a different group of people that you gather with, and therefore, together, as the body of Christ, we come together and worship together. But we might go out and reach in different fields that not all of us can reach into. I'm thankful for people who are not like me. Thank God. <laughs> I can only handle one, people. I'm just telling you. Thank God. We will see in chapter 3 the mystery of why the church, why is it that we become the body of Christ? Why is it, and what's the purpose of the body of Christ? But I just want you to understand that we can't just blow past the body of Christ. We need each other. We, we need each other. We need every talent, every gift, every, every hurt you've been through, every broken piece that you've been through because your broken pieces just might be the, the, the testimony that shows somebody else that they can make it too. We need all of the theological background that you have because we'll find in Ephesians 4 that he gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers because everyone has gifts and we need each other. We need each other. Maybe I'm closing because I'm smelling some good stuff. Maybe it's Maybe you feel, I don't fit in. Maybe you feel, I'm not sure if, if, if I'm connected. I, I've heard people say, I, I don't feel connected. And it breaks my heart when I hear people say that. You, you see me, I do my best to shake everybody's hand. I might not be able to get to everybody. But I do my best to shake everybody's hand, passing everybody's germs to everybody else. <laughs> because I want a personal connection with you. But I can't make you find a personal connection with the body of Christ. I can't make you do that. It's, it's kind of like I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make him drink. It's kind of like my mama and daddy told me, you're going to school whether you like it or not. I said, you can make me go, but you can't make me learn. <laughs> Boy, I was a handful. <laughs> Only you can do that. We, we, we do our best as a, as a team to try to make available and access all of the avenues of connection classes, of small, of small groups, whether it be senior adults, young adults, and so on and so forth. But ultimately, you have to make a decision. I'm ready to connect. I'm ready to be a part. 
I'm ready to find my place and get involved. And let me tell you this, from a pastor's heart, we need you. We need every one of you. Look, I feel like God's about to do something amazing right here in this church. I mean, I just feel like the, the Lord is stirring. And, and we've seen over the past few weeks, Brother, Brother McGarity, Hugh, he tells me, call, call me Hugh. That's hard, Brother McGarity. But preached a phenomenal message last week. And we've just seen how God has moved in the altars. And I just feel like if people would, would get connected, and you'll find, we're going to see over the next few weeks of what it means when we walk in unity. We'll see where it says the commanded blessing comes down. We want to see a move of God flow through us. But God moves in the flow of connectivity and unity. And we've got to get connected. We've got to get on the same page. Look, we're not always going to get it right. We're always, there's going to be miscommunications. How many's married? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. There's going to be miscommunications. But that doesn't mean that she's going to cast me off or I'm going to cast her off. It means I'm going to find out what it is that we're miscommunicating about because I love her so much that I don't want there to be miscommunications. And the making up is always good. But shouldn't we find out if there's miscommunications? If there's, if there's undercurrents that are causing disunity, shouldn't we find out what that is? Should we not try to be on the same page? Should we not try to work together? Because God's called us. We were afar off, and He's brought us together. We were strangers. The wall of separation has separated us, but now we've been brought together. And we have the peace of God in that unity. And God wants us to be on the same page, but we need each other. We need to live at peace as it pertains to us to, with all men. And if there's not peace, we need to find that peace. We need to find that place, whatever it is that's causing us to be disconnected and disunified because we will not see the commanded blessing fall until we get on the same page. I love every one of you guys. I don't have, I don't have aught, use the old word, I don't have aught against anyone. There's not one of you that I have angst or alt against I love every one of you and I pray that if there's something that you might feel in your heart a tension a concern a worry that today we can get it right today we can understand that we're just being built together we're just rocks being placed beside each other, fitted together. There's going to be some rubbing, right? We ain't racing unless we're rubbing, right? We're going to be some rubbing. There's going to be some chips that might chip off a little bit. But once we get tight, we become inseparable because the glue of the Holy Spirit is the cement that sticks us together. We need each other. I need you. We need each other.
today if you say, Pastor, I'm all in. I'm ready. Would you raise your hand with me? I'm ready. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Can we believe together today? Marvin, would you be willing to come? I'd like to like to pray for you. Stand in if you're family. Dan, would you come? I want you to stand in for your precious wife, Deborah. I want to believe for them. McKinley, would you come down here? Come on, Mama. Come on, Daddy. Come with her. Come on. I mean, let's say, Pastor, I need some prayer. I need help. I need the Lord's touch. I need strength. If you would, come on. Today, we can see breakthrough. Today, we can see new life. Today, we're making a new step. Today. Amen. Anybody want to join me in praying for them? We'd love you to come.
Father, I pray, Lord, that as we 
draw near to you as we become more cohesive in your plan. Lord, as we begin to grow together as your body, I pray, Lord, that we will become more and more effective and efficient in this community. Lord, you even told them, it says, where one can cast a thousand, two can cast ten thousand. Lord, when we become the cohesive unit that you've called us to be, God, I'm believing for miraculous things to take place. I'm believing for chains to be broken. Lord, for lives to be transformed by your love and by your mercy. I'm looking forward, God, to seeing the glory of God manifest in this place so strong. Lord, that we just want to bask in your presence. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. We are surrendered to you. We give you glory, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. He'll step in, and he'll do it if you'll let him. I hope that you will stay and hang out. These guys have cooked. It's breakfast for lunch. And I don't know about you guys, but that's my favorite. But there's breakfast for lunch, and they have prepared. And once again, all the funds go towards supporting our missions trip. There's 24 of us going and those who are going are going to be participating and serving and helping and cleaning and all that good stuff. I hope that you will stay and enjoy. Also, make it an opportunity to fellowship with some others that you may not know well. Make this be an opportunity that you get to know others. We, there's not a price. It's a donation. If you can't afford, don't make that stop. Come and get something. Enjoy. We love you. We appreciate you. I'm going to go ahead and bless the food. Father... Lord, I pray that you'll bless this food, that you'll help us to enjoy, help us to, Lord, be able to celebrate what you're going to do with this team as they go and touch lives around the world. God, bless this congregation and let us truly be united in your presence and your praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys.